You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Folks, welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've spoken to Caleb Franz, host of Profiles in Liberty. He is literally speaking to us from his underground bunker in Kentucky. <laughs> I, 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 you think I'm joking? Like I usually, I usually start off a little bit sarcastically, but you're you're in an underground bunker. You found a secret room in your new house, and I mean, it doesn't give me Oklahoma City vibes, but. I mean, they, they, tell tell me again. When they were giving you the walkthrough, did they say, "Oh, you've got a secret room," or did you just stumble upon it? And the realtor was like, "Yeah, I totally knew that was there." <laughs> Definitely the latter. Um, I, it was it was a pleasant surprise because, uh, as you as you pointed out, this is uh, much better of a setup for recording and uh, doing things uh, like interviews, at least audio interviews, maybe not video, <laughs> but, uh, doing things like this for, um, for recording purposes, as well as, uh, I don't know, I've, I've been thinking about possibly, uh, setting up a, a brew station downstairs, uh, in, in this room to see where we can, what, what contraptions we can make. You're, you're going to put a poster up at least. Right. Like something on the <laughs> a walls. single poster, a single yes. poster. I just found out that Jeffrey Dahmer was in Milwaukee and that this is where he did all his gay cannibal stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very and, fun. And it, it I, I found light, out lighthearted stuff. Yeah. You know, just, just Barney and rainbows here. Mm-hmm. So when, when you turned on the camera and I saw that it immediately reminded me of the basement in Jeffrey Dahmer's grandma's house where he killed three people. So, you know, I, I just finished that series on Netflix and that seems to be the only thing I think about. I realized that every day I used to drive to work going into Milwaukee, uh, I passed by the site of his old apartment. So where, you know, the other 13 occurred. So it's been, it's been top of mind, but, uh, I bet, I bet you'll get your secret Unibomber room in, in tip top shape very soon, very soon. But speaking of home brewing, You've got uh, a recent article out, folks. I'll go ahead and link to it in the show notes, basically making the argument that if you can brew beer at home, you should be able to distill whiskey. I, I want to get I, I want to talk this through because I, I didn't think that I would be on a different page than you on this, and I don't think I am. I just think I haven't really thought about it. 
So the homebrew movement has really blown up the past 10 years since more and more people are actually able to access the ingredients, access the tools they need to start homebrewing. A lot of people are able to do it in even relatively small spaces. When you made the argument for distilling whiskey and let's go as far as bourbon, gin, other stuff, that that I, I started wondering about because growing up in the South – you, you hear a lot about the copper stills and things like that, the old moonshiners. And the one thing that did kind of catch my attention is that a lot of those folks like would blow things up. So this is one of those rare situations where I'm wondering, is there a limit to what you're cooking and brewing in your home? Because maybe I just need to touch up on it a little bit, but, but let's, let's rewind a little bit. Talk to us about your article. What's the case you're making and where am I a little bit off? Yeah, well, that is, uh, I think, um, probably the most reasonable, uh, you know, case for it to to be opposed to something like this. Uh, I think it's a little I'm bit very of a, anti-explosion. Yeah. Well, that that's where we separate here. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, it's it's a little bit different, you know, the the uh, stills and the technology today. Um, are not the same as what they what they once were when these things were really blowing up. And you know, throughout uh, something that uh, I noticed after I wrote this article was um, seeing how people, even in the in the Soviet Union, um, would distill their own liquors. And uh, there wasn't really much of any stories about anything blowing up. Um, there's always a risk of, of things much more things than. Uh, much more than say you know brewing beer but it's it's i think a, a very overblown risk and it's not necessarily something where prohibition or, or just a complete outlaw of the practice is the solution to i think you can have safe practices with this um without it uh, resulting in a a complete outright ban because that's where we see ourselves in today and you see a lot of people um, where this is kind of the catch uh, 22 of this, right? It's obviously not illegal to, um, to, uh, distill spirits commercially with a, with a permit. Uh, it's only illegal to do so in your home. Um, so obviously, uh, that means that, uh, individuals who, um, are in the commercial market can do so. Well, how do you get into the commercial market? You have to, um, generally, uh, know what you're doing by getting a permit. Well, how do you get a permit? Well, you, have to practice, uh, and unless you unless you can do so under the uh, under the watchful eye of someone uh, who already has all of this equipment and probably already has uh, a uh, a a license to do so commercially, then you're kind of out of luck unless you do so illegally, which is what a lot of people opt to do. Uh, in which case, we also don't really see a whole lot of uh, explosions happening uh, today even though this is still, in fact, happening um, uh, even to this day, uh, where a lot of people, uh, including a lot of uh, distilleries and a lot of uh, places that, uh, that sell very popular bourbons today, uh, they, uh, they got their started uh, practicing mostly illegally. And that's not something that uh, I think really makes a whole lot of sense. So are the laws that 
used to dictate whether or not people could homebrew beer. Does it really cross over liquor? I know in different states and different parts of the country, beer and liquor are treated differently. They are treated differently. Um, beer is pretty laxed right now as far as what, uh, I mean, you know, as, as laxed as uh, any alcohol it can can really be considered lax but like compared to what it was especially back um during uh during the big craft beer revolution whenever um whenever Jimmy Carter uh first uh, legalized home brewing and it sort of brought about this big wave of um of uh of new industry and and new enthusiasts and new hobbyists uh, and people who just upright quit their uh, their day job and said, you know what, I'm going to go brew beer now, um, and it uh, it created entirely new new industries. Uh, that is something that uh, you know has has flourished because it is a little bit different outside of the way that uh, that states and and certainly the federal government uh, classifies that. We're seeing a little bit of a growth in the um, in the distillery market uh, recently, uh, and that's in large part due to deregulation. Um, we are seeing uh, instances in which uh, people are starting to realize that we can cut back on the regulations with uh, spirits, but that that fundamental threshold of where people can can break into the market and be the ultimate disruptor uh, that still exists. Uh, and that, that threshold I think is, is ultimately whether or not people can practice and people can be hobbyists and enthusiasts inside their own home. Right. So what, what are some of the immediate barriers that, that people are facing? Like what are the arguments against allowing people to go ahead and distill gin and whiskey from their own property is it really just the old tax argument i mean everything ultimately distills down to that no pun intended or is it just the general uh safety argument because i feel like now even in the united states what's weird is that we're not we're, we're not the teetotaling culture that we were prior to prohibition but i, I went to school in a in an area of alabama where they were still had dry counties and mm -hmm. where you couldn't purchase beer or liquor on sundays from walmart or any other place and that some abc stores they even make it harder for small legal distilleries to go ahead and get on the shelves and stuff like that so does it ultimately come down to a tax issue what, what are, were some of the arguments against home distilling that you found doing your research well, I, I found, you know, there are, there are several arguments. I, I wouldn't call many of them very good. I think that uh, the safety argument is a legitimate argument. Um, I don't think it holds much water whenever you get down really into the nitty gritty um, and certainly not as an argument to uh, to outright ban it altogether. I think you, uh, like I mentioned before, I think you can do uh, something uh, like that and and have sort of uh, safeguards to protect against that um, without it resulting in, in an outright ban. Um, but there there is at least something that you can point to there. But ultimately, it, yes, it does come down to taxes. It comes down to what the government is going to be able to get out of it. Uh, and then it comes down to, uh, I think, uh, a little bit, you know, people in, in the spirit industry wouldn't probably be as... Uh, 
as eager to bring about new competition. So, so they're not, it, yeah, it they're, they're not exactly eager to, to do that. I can't speak for all of them, obviously. So I don't know. I don't know all of uh, their motives. Um, but uh, if I had to say that, you know, if, if I say like, Hey, you know, do you want this new person to compete against you? Well, probably not. Uh, so, so that is another uh, major motive that, uh, that a lot of people can, can step out against. But um, I do think that uh, it makes sense for a lot of people if they if they you know that that fear veil of like oh my gosh is this going to blow up in my basement once that's removed I think that a lot of people don't really get it um, you know if if I'm just making it for myself in my own home I have no intention to sell it to anyone else and it's just something that I just want to keep um, to to break out for for parties and for gatherings and events and and things like that or just self-consumption um why can't i do that you know what what's what's the real reason why i can't do that uh and ultimately it does it does come down to tax purposes because government loves to make money off of spirits it is an american tradition dating way back to the whiskey rebellion um as we know and uh that is is something that they're not too keen on on giving up anytime soon yeah, I mean, as far as the safety goes, as as far as the safety concerns go, I mean, I was I was joking a little in terms of you know like people moonshining, but I mean, when you're dealing with moonshine, particularly, which is where some of the arguments came when when I did a little bit of googling, I mean, you're dealing with like giant stills, you're dealing with a whole operation. Mm-hmm. If you're doing at home distilling, it's going to be much smaller, much safer, much more manageable than if you're doing that because it's more akin to you know home brewing which is yeah. largely safe which is largely accessible um you know they they take it seriously my my wife and her uh her side of the family they home brew from their garage which is great but then you walk in and immediately your blood alcohol level spikes as soon as you breathe <laughs> in but i mean it's like if, if we're going to take the safety concern into into it i mean i would argue that you know deep frying turkeys around Thanksgiving has killed more people than, <laughs> yeah. than anyone it's Yeah, when was the last time you heard that? about a home a home distillery, an illegal, you know, home distillery blowing up? You don't. I mean, you it's just don't. I don't think it's, it's ever it happened. It just doesn't happen. People do break the law and do it. Uh, you know, don't don't get any mis uh, misinterpretations about this. Uh, they they definitely do, but um it, it it's it's much safer than it ever was. Generally, people who um who are are getting into it have done their homework because they're enthusiasts and they, they just want to make whiskey. They don't want to blow up their house. They understand the risks uh, involved in it. Um, and there's really two points that, that, um, that I, I thought of when you were, you were saying that really this, this comes down to the basic fundamentals of prohibition. You know, if something is driven underground, it's going to be made more dangerous by its nature of being underground, as opposed to being out in the open allow uh, being allowed to to uh freely experiment and do things that uh it has to kind of cut corners and and do things a little bit more dangerously if it were if it were shoved to the shadows so by nature of lifting the prohibition against home distilling um the safety argument becomes virtually non-existent uh i i think that they're they're Still can be if if it's really a big point of concern. There's still maybe some certain uh, not regulations, but just some some certain standards or, or guidelines uh, to ensure people follow by. But 
that's that's not uh, that's not something that I'm really terribly concerned about. So who who are the big culprits here? Is it state level governments or is it the federal government? It's it's both. Um, you know, it's ever since prohibition ended, uh, it never really ended. Uh, not not in the way that it's just like completely free for anyone to you know to do anything with with alcohol. Uh, there's there the government made sure that there were still loopholes in which it can interfere in the in the alcohol industry. Part of that was by ensuring that nobody could create beer uh buy beer or or liquor or wine for that matter uh by themselves in their own home uh, right <laughs> uh well that's uh great basically created a, a virtual monopoly for a lot of uh different industries uh in the in the alcohol industry and um in uh at the end of of Carter's administration that ended for beer but uh the the prohibition against um against uh, spirits is still still ongoing to this day where where do you think the the line separates how people treat beer and how they treat liquor is it because of different lobbying forces behind it because big beer you know big out you know big liquor People think they're the same, but they're largely different. And, you know, it's much like how we classify drugs, how you classify beer. You're not going to really have the same standards for how you do that versus once you start getting into, you know, harder distilling of liquors. Ultimately, I, I think, you know, there's there's a little bit of like fear that people can play on and and that kind of stuff works to to a certain degree. Um, but, uh, you know, this is something where, um, you can't really make as much tax money on beer as, as nearly as much as what you can on, uh, distilled spirits. And that's ultimately what I, I think it really comes down to, uh, is that the government wants to be sure to, you know, if, if we're going to consume, we, it wants all of, uh, all of the, uh, the money it can get from us. Um, if, if we're going to, to have any sort of, uh, any sort of liquor, uh, and that is, I think the crux of the, of the argument and it benefits a select few industries. It creates, uh, barriers for, for enthusiasts or for potential entrepreneurs who would otherwise disrupt the industry and, and would otherwise, uh, create a really dynamic, uh, marketplace, uh, so one that is currently uh, facing a lot of changes and and is being disrupted because of certain uh, deregulations in the marketplace, but it could be so much more. It could be much more like the the craft uh, craft beer industry, and that to me is exciting because I I love bourbon. I love uh, I love my my spirits as much as as the next guy, um, as much as any any Kentuckian would be anyway. Um, but I, I, I think that there's a lot more that can happen and I think that there's a lot more creativity and a lot more, um, a lot more thoughtfulness and, and, and just combinations and, and formulas that haven't even been considered yet. Well, it could be in the mind of someone who just simply isn't allowed to, to experiment in, in their own home. 
It, it's so weird because as I was as I was reading your article, I was like, well, this should just be common sense. But it wasn't yeah. even until a couple of years ago in the pandemic where you had a lot of states who finally said, oh, if you want to go ahead and order alcohol with your yeah. takeout meal or for delivery, you can go ahead and do that. And in Virginia, one of the things that I thought was awesome, but also came with its own hangups, was that you could go ahead and order, um, you know, uh, order bottles of bourbon to be shipped and mailed to your home. Now, you could only do it within Virginia, but mm-hmm. I think Kentucky did it, Tennessee did it, West Virginia, uh, Maryland as well. A lot of a lot of states seem like their neighbors started doing that. So you still can't order. Um, you know, Virginia whiskey, if you're in West Virginia, which is ridiculous, because at that point, you're dealing with different states laws regarding the transportation and consumption of alcohol, which is which is wild, because as as progressive as we have come, not just in terms of, you know, our, our, our tolerance as a society towards alcohol, um, I mean, with, with everything that's come with drug use, you would have thought that alcohol would kind of jump into it beforehand. Now, am I equating the two? Kind of, sort of. I think a lot of people don't want to deal with that. But the truth is, is that people want to consume things. Uh, in in Wisconsin right now, you know, in Milwaukee, I think we have the largest um, uh, number of breweries and bars per capita, I think, in the world. Mm-hmm. But we're also a state which, you know, you look at our neighbor, Michigan, and we still haven't legalized weed and stuff like that. I mean, we're yeah. just barely getting into the into the CBD market. We started putting, um, you know, uh, CBD vending machines in certain areas in in the state. So it's weird because it's like here we have greater freedom in terms of what we can do with beer and liquor, but then we we kind of go backwards on that. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if we, I I understand that each state has to decide their own path. What do you think is the better solution for this? Would it be better to go ahead and start top down, try and eliminate federal regulation or to try and convince the states, much like states were convincing each other during the pandemic, where you've got Abbott saying, you want to go ahead and order a margarita to go, go for it, man, and stuff like that. Well, in, in this in this respect, it is a lot like uh, marijuana in the sense that you have two tiers to this battle. It's it's a state uh, regulation, or excuse me, a state prohibition as well as a federal prohibition. Um, now, what states can do, I don't think that they should wait until the the feds get their act together because that's going to be like watching paint dry. It's 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 not going to be a very sectarian good use of time. violence in the Middle East will end. The four horsemen yeah. <laughs> will descend upon us. Cats yeah. mate with dogs. Elon goes to Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that something that uh, states can do in the meantime is actually something that a lot of states already have started to do, including um, my uh, my original home state of Ohio uh, did this, I think, a few years ago. Um, and that is simply to just create a trigger law for uh, for um, home distilling, is that if it becomes legal on the federal level, it immediately kicks in and overturns uh, its state, and it's it's completely legal throughout the state. So I think that that's something uh, that could be a really easy option. Um, that if you if you don't want to you know get your hands wet right now or, or try to 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 ri- uh, rifle any feathers, 
then the least that we could do, I think, is is to create a, an environment to where once the, the federal government uh, gets their act together, then there's no waiting for step two. It's just go. You can you can do it. It's it's easy. Um, well, it's not easy, but <laughs> uh, but you, you're you're free to go. Um, and that is something that uh, that I think only eight states have done at this point so far. Um, so there's still plenty of room uh, in this movement. And really, uh, it, I think, just requires a lot of awareness on this issue because not a lot of people are aware that this is even uh, a thing. Uh, it's not a thing that yeah, people I, are, I was gonna are ask, hyper aware of. What, yeah. What, what got your interest in this? Is there a movement behind this? Or, I mean, well, I, would, I, I would think to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's an easy answer. Yeah, like uh, it, quite quite honestly, like I I um, I love the craft of alcohol, and I uh, am constantly uh, consumed with the history and and just the the craft of the trade and uh, the history of the industry and um, of the fight between uh, temperance and prohibition versus uh, freedom and and the ability to. Uh, to go off and what creativity might might spur uh, spur out from that, uh, and I think it's 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 an important one. And and you know I I love you know beer and, and liquor as much as the next guy, um, and it, I became uh, quite quickly uh, realizing that this is not something that is on the the top of the mind of of most people. If, as long as they have something in front of them, then it doesn't really affect them that much. But in reality, this is affecting the entrepreneur the most this is affecting the the small businessman the the person who who might not even know that he wants to he or she uh, wants to to get into this industry because they haven't had the opportunity to to get their feet wet in the first place there's so so much untapped potential because we don't allow people to to experiment with these things uh, that uh, that should be the baseline. That should be the default. That shouldn't be something that we're we're begging the government for uh, permission uh, to to simply uh, try try new things with. I, I feel like you're right ahead of the curve on this one because I, I was talking to somebody uh, who, who's who's one of the investors at at the brewery that that I bought into this year, and what we're seeing is like for the past let's call it two decades. Past two decades have been a craft beer revolution. Mm-hmm. Right now, and, and it came from the south, and now it's going throughout the country. And you're, wine you're, to a certain extent too. Wine to a certain extent. I think more yeah. people who were like, if you got into beer, you were also checking out wineries while you were at it. But mm-hmm. it's like the, there's there's more of a fascination with whiskey. And right now, what you're also kind of seeing is that now there's kind of like a renaissance with with brandy specifically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think if any change is going to come with this, it's going to come with it from millennials because millennials for the first time, actually not, not in terms of like the volume of whiskey or the, or, or the, you know, like how, how, you know, whether they or not they could afford really expensive whiskey, but in terms of the number one consumers of whiskey and bourbon in the United States, it has gone from the boomers and now the millennials have picked it up. And that's only a very recent thing. Yeah, I, I think this is going to pick up, um, especially when when more and more people, because that is something. I mean, you you have a great point there. Like, you know, a lot of of millennials were sort of leading the charge in the craft beer revolution, especially in that post two thousand eight financial crisis era where everyone lost their jobs and they were like, "All right, well, I'm going to do this thing that I've always wanted to do. Now's the chance to, it. to try Let's it make out." Beer. 
we're kind of in a similar situation now in a in a post-COVID world. Uh, and and I think that some of that will still go towards uh, towards craft beer. Um, but I think now people are really, really interested in in getting into into spirits because there's almost an oversaturation of the craft craft beer industry uh, at this point where everyone knows that it's like, yeah, it's it's everywhere. <laughs> it's hard to escape. Uh, not that I'm trying to, but it's 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 very prevalent. It's very uh, very voluminous. There's more craft spirits on shelves and stores than I've ever seen before. Um, now and and that's a great thing, and that's largely in part because um, there have been certain uh, cuts and and certain uh, tax cuts and in, in spirits and and alcohol, certain uh, deregulations that have happened over the past few years. Um, that have allowed this entrepreneurship to flourish. Uh, but there's still an entirely new world out there to the extent of of, of craft beer um, that spirits have not even been permitted to break into yet. Uh, and that, uh, I, I mean, you don't have something that people will really want to get into soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at Ryan Reynolds uh, with his aviator with his gin, yeah, yeah, with his aviator gin, and then I look at um, you know the rock with his uh, with his tequila, and I mean with with that you have two things like gin was never really one of those things that a lot of people were buying, and then suddenly gin had a resurgence. Mm-hmm. I think thanks to people that started getting into whiskey. Mm-hmm. I, I think once you start getting more 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 millennials specifically into whiskey eventually and this is just a guess but i think tequila is going to be the next big thing i think you know uh, because tequila used to be you know the, the the party alcohol if you couldn't get you know vodka uh because whiskey was still one of those things that a lot of people kind of stayed away from it was it was in your dad's shelf it's what your grandpa drank it wasn't fun i think tequila is going to have a weird resurgence and then i think eventually if if things in mexico get better because it's ultimately dependent upon mexico i i my my big goal within the year and i'm going to be taking another uh trip to nevada in january um i, I want to try mezcal for the first time mm. and what i'm seeing amongst a lot of people who are in the beer business is that they're trying to diversify um their reach into the whiskey industry into the bourbon industry into tequila at some point and then mezcal, there's going to be a lot of money in mezcal because there are only a few places in Mexico that even make it. Yeah. I don't even know yeah, what it I, tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's probably pretty accurate. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that I've uh, I mean, any sort of brewery that you find here in, in Kentucky where I am. Um, have already kind of set the precedent for that a, a little bit because a lot of breweries double up as distilleries as well, um, which is great. You know, it's it means that a lot of it's very strong. A lot of the beers that you get are going to be very strong. Everything's um, sitting in the whiskey barrels now. Yeah, that yeah, used to be a yeah. very rare thing. Now everyone is doing. Now it's very prominent. Crossover, it's, yeah. and you know, God bless it because I love I love it. a I love a bourbon barrel beer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I do think that more experimentation on, on that kind of stuff is going to continue to happen. Um, but there's only so much that can happen before some of these laws actually get changed. Um, but of course it's not the slow turning machine of the legislature that changes things. It's, it's, they, they're reactionary, you know, they, they do things after, there's already been a movement after there's already been 
vocal outcry against these kind of things. Um, so if if it's going to change, it's really going to have to come to more public awareness, and it's going to have to come through through a more public uh, outcry to demand uh, some sort of a freedom of the spirits. Well, Caleb, I'm going to go ahead and link to your article in the show notes today. So people go ahead and read it themselves and share amongst friends and others who would definitely want to see this happening at some point. Could you imagine being the guy who, as you're trying to do, who who can go ahead and say, hey, you want some of my homemade whiskey? Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah that's going to be fun. People want to have fun. People want to do that shit. Uh, if people want to go ahead and catch up with you and everything else you've got going on, how could they do so? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Caleb Franz, and uh, my show Profiles in Liberty uh, is wherever you get your podcasts from. Folks, all that in the show notes and more. Caleb Franz, thank you so much as always. It's a pleasure, Renzo. Folks, go ahead and do me a favor. If you love the show, even if you hate it, actually scratch that. I only need the I only need the homies. If if you don't like the show, fuck off at this point. I'm I'm done. I'm done appeasing everybody. Go ahead and leave me a five star rating and review on Apple podcast google play stitcher spotify wherever you find the show across al gore's amazing internet and we'll be back next monday as always be safe be good good night